Welcome into another edition of Cyberly Hits the Road. I am your host, Blythe Brumleaf, owner of digitaldispatch.io. And all throughout the month of August, I have been hosting these interviews of on-the-road experiences while out and about in San Antonio for PCS Software's Ignite Conference, also in Charlotte, North Carolina for Armstrong Transport Group's annual agent conference. Been recording a lot of great conversations. And so that's what you've noticed over the programming for the entire month of August. Now, seeing as how it's September now, you might be wondering, well, what the hell is this series going to be on forever? No, it's not going to be on forever. This is actually the final edition of this series, but I could not let you go without featuring our guests for this show. And before I get get into who is actually going to be on this particular episode, I just wanted to kind of just reflect about the past month and what it has really taught me. And it's not just the past month of content. It's the months that went into planning this in addition to working full-time, in addition to already producing regular weekly Cyberly shows. This took a considerable amount of effort. And planning content for conferences in person is something that I've never really done before. I've done live shows in the past, but this was a different beast because you're dealing with different recording locations. I'm not in my safe home studio with the lighting and the microphone and the good quality sound and setup. I'm on the road and I'm in the midst of the action that's going on behind and all around us, which which adds a certain level of charm to it. And it also brings to mind just all of the planning, the preparation and the equipment and everything that has gone on to planning these shows. So I hope that you guys have enjoyed them because a lot of work went into it, but the end product is all of these fantastic conversations that we've had over the last month with these industry leaders that can happen in a digital environment, but they happen so much better when they're in person. And so that's what it is sort of, I guess, the lesson that has really rung true for me over this last month is that typically for a a Cyberly show, I will have my entire show scripted out. And about two seconds into each interview that I overly prepped for, which I typically do, I was throwing scripts out of the window because it was just such an authentic conversation that was going on with every single person that you've seen during this entire series. And so it's just a reminder that these authentic, genuine, free-flowing conversations that you have in person at events is just so much more in-depth than a digital experience. I love my digital shows that will still continue after this episode, but for this last episode, I wanted to kind of save the best for the last. And for this episode, I wanted to bring one of my favorite interviews from the Ignite Conference and then one of my favorite interviews that's been a long time coming from the Armstrong Transport Group. And so later on in the show, we're going to have Burns Logistics and Big Ed, who is the owner, is the father. And then he also has his right-hand man, who is also named Ed, his son, that is coming into the picture as well. Just joined the company, I believe, in October of 2020. And so they've started working together and their business is just flourishing. So we're going to chat with them later on in the show. But first up is an interview that's been a long time coming. Chris Jolly, the freight coach. If you watch my content, you likely already know who he is. He is that good at his job at creating content, giving that perspective of being a freight broker and turning those that skill set into creating content online. He's a, a fabulous interview. And for this first chat, I'm going to play the, the first part of the interview with Chris. And it's so good that I had to film it in two parts because with live TV, with, with live interviews, We can only show an hour. I can't go over the hour or I'm going to get in trouble. So what we've done with this particular interview is we filmed it in two parts. The first part is about 15 minutes long with Chris. And then the second part is going to be posted to the Digital Dispatch podcast feed. So if you like that conversation with Chris, be sure to go there, check out that podcast feed so you can hear the rest of the interview. We recorded it all at once, but I had to make sure that I stopped around that 15 minute mark. Lots of juicy goodness in that 15 minutes because Chris is a pro and so he knows how to drop some gems. So it's still well worth the watch, even if you don't watch the second part or if you don't listen to the second part. Um, highly recommend listening to both because I, I, I think it's just that much knowledge that that is shared and that would be valuable to the overwhelming majority of people within the industry. 
So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and we're going to, we're going to play that interview for you now. Here's Chris Jolly, the freight coach. But welcome into another episode of Cyberly Hits the Road. I'm your host, Blythe Bromley with uh, digitaldiscuss.io, and we are joined today. Chris Jolly, a.k.a. The Freight Coach. <laughs> that branding Have in. Have to. <laughs> well, okay, so Chris, I think a lot of people see your content, and especially if you're, if you're watching this, you probably yeah. have seen your content on LinkedIn. Tell the folks a little bit about your backstory of how you even got into this industry, because I think everybody has that story and connects well with it. Oh, definitely. I'm family truck drivers. I born and raised in the industry, essentially, and I got into brokerage when I moved out west. I'm from northern Wisconsin originally, and I graduated college, didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And my older brother lived out in Reno, Nevada, and he's like, come move out here. So I'm like, all right. So I got connected to somebody who was in charge of a freight brokerage interviewed over the phone, packed up my truck, moved out west, and that's what I was doing for about 10 years. And I did you know, carrier sales, customer sales, leadership, and then I transitioned out. Um, I just wanted to try something different. Hmm. You know, I wanted to jump onto the trucking company side and try and sell assets and just really gain some experience. It's not that freight brokerage is easy. I just accomplished everything I had wanted to in that space. And then you know, that little thing called COVID happened in 2020, and I was out of a job because uh, I resigned from my job because I had a bunch of interviews lined up. Mm. So I resigned from my job because I was going to be traveling around, interviewing and everything else. And then voila, the greatest blessing in my life happened where I was out of a job and it forced me to think, what do I actually want to do with my life? Mm. And that's when I started getting involved on LinkedIn because I needed to be can Like in my initial thought was I need to be candidate number one everywhere. Whenever people start hiring again, I want to be the first person that they think of. And then that's when I started, like when I got heavily involved on it, I realized how, like, there wasn't a lot of content out there. There really wasn't a lot of truthful content out there in transportation. It just didn't align with my experience on it. So I started speaking out and put, like, just putting my experiences out there. And then through that is where all of this spawned from. And I never thought that was possible that with a camera and a couple of posts that you could literally build a brand off of. I had no idea. Like, I think. You know, I listened to Gary Vee just like everybody else. And then, you know, I was really a guy by the name of Andy Frisella uh, out of Missouri. He's got a big supplement company. He's got a really big following out there. And I found his podcast as well. And that's what they were always talking about. It's just content, 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 mm. putting your stuff out there. And then like uh, they had brought one up. They're like, like there's such a power in, in the niche that you're in because it's so targeted in what you're trying to get after. It's like, you know, there's not everybody's gonna have a million followers on Instagram or everything else. Like, I'm not gonna dance on there and, you know, and like, <laughs> on TikTok, no one's gonna like, yeah, dances. exactly. There's no freight broker dances there. But, you can make one. Yeah, exactly. It, it's called the hang up from the cold call, you know, but no, it was, that. that's kind of where everything started and that's kind of how I got to where I am today. And like, and I started my podcast because I just like wanted to funnel in business like that's all it was because like when I because I started um freight coach enterprises my son came up with that name so that's the one that I rolled with nice and I you know because I've worked with freight brokerages and trucking companies and tech companies on you know a lot of sales and ops training and then a lot of process implementation process mm. improvements and I like again got to give a shout out to Gary V because he had said you know like his like the name of the podcast that I was listening to was on if I started a business in 2020. And that was mm. the one thing he said. He's like, if I started a business in 2020 right now, if I knew nothing, I would start a podcast and I would have my prospects come on and I could talk to them one-on-one. -on -one. And he put it like this. He's like, you'll never meet a founder who doesn't want to talk about themselves. So I was like, done. So I went, went on Amazon, bought a podcast starter kit, bought a new computer. And then I just, YouTube, which is the greatest resource on yes. the face of this earth. Facts. Everything's free. Found out how to do it, how to edit it, how to structure the episode. And then I just started mm. and then I just started having people come on and then that just kind of took off on a life of its own, you know, because like I, I, I want to talk about all things transportation because like we're in in our niche and heck, even into the blue collar industry, there's not a lot of content that's out there. And it's my mission to make the blue collar sexy again. At the end of the day, <laughs> I'm, I'm from a blue collar family and I want people to come into this industry because especially in transportation, there's so much opportunity mm -hmm. that's out here where you can come in, you don't have to have a formal education and you can start a business and become extremely successful 
in a couple of years. So. And I think that you, you hit the nail on the head with, with trying to make transportation sexy. There's uh, Adam Wingfield. He was on yeah. uh, the, the show just recently, and he mentioned a big problem with trucking is that he wants to make it cool again. Yes. And that's, I think, what, what the biggest barrier of entry for a lot of people when it comes to their content marketing is what do I talk about? How do I figure out even where to get started? What was sort of the catalyst for you that you said, I'm just going to start making content? Did you see somebody else doing it first? or? I saw a bunch of people doing it because I think like in, in the early stages of the COVID era, we'll call it, a lot of people were throwing stuff out there. And I just wanted to speak my truth because when with social media, there's just a bunch of chest bumping, you know, why I'm oh, that might, sorry, <laughs> the mic, but you know that like there's a lot of people out there who just want to talk about why they're better than everybody else. And, you know, or how much money they're making and why they're a baller or something like that, which we all know is BS at the end right. of the day. But my thing was, is I'm going to take the opposite approach. I'm going to talk about what I did wrong and why we shouldn't do it that way, you know, and like the repercussions of the things that, you know, like when I tried to fabricate load details and everything else to try and pull one over on somebody and why it didn't work, because like transportation, especially freight brokerage, it's not that difficult, you know, like at the end of the day, we're not reinventing the wheel. And I realized, and I, I think we all had those moments in our careers, like, all right, I've learned my lesson. I got to stop, stop doing that. And I had that, and then that's when I found a ton of success as a broker. Hmm. Is everybody uses a bud where you gotta be transparent and honest. Everybody says that until it's their shipment, right. you know, that, that's lost or something else. And I was just like, I was done with it. I was sick and tired of lying all the time on stuff. And I was like, I'm done with it. And then that's when I just, that's when I saw the most success. And I knew that me talking about that, every freight broker goes through with that. The struggles in cold calling, the struggles in building a book of business, everybody goes through with it, but very few people want to talk about it. Mm. Because again, on social media, they want to be that all-star. You know, they want to be that that person who just is better than everybody else. I don't care about that. Like, yes, I'm a human being, and if like people doesn't like my stuff, of course I'm like, I thought it was cool, but you know, you get over it at, at the end of the day. And I just wanted to put stuff out there for people that they could relate to and not think that they're the only ones that, that are going through it. Because I think like when you're in a sales cycle and you're just blowing it like you're not closing anything you think that the world is closing on top of you you're the only one who goes through it that's not the case hmm. and i just wanted to be there for people to like know like we all mess up at the end of the day we all have bad times but the thing the key is is you got to learn from it change your ways and start moving forward. And, and that's what you're doing with your content is that you're connecting with other people through vulnerability, through yeah. the issues that, you, that you've faced in the past and that they're likely still facing yeah. today. Do you have a particular topic that maybe has resonated the most with freight brokers that they seem to go through the most? It's the cold calling aspect mm -hmm. of it. It's the rejection. It's the bouts of lack of confidence and everything else because like, I think I'm a human being at the end of the day. I have my insecurities just like everybody does. And I have bouts with confidence just like everybody does. But it's easier just to talk about it than try and like compartmentalize it and internalize it. And then then you just turn into like, oh, I'm the victim. It's only me. And oh, woe is me. And you can't have that. Like, you know, and I think like the more and more I talked about that, that's when more and more people started reaching out to me and more and more people started following my content was when it was just all about what I went through and why it's completely normal. You know, like even the best sales reps out there, no matter what they tell you, <laughs> get told no 99 out of 100 times. You know, so it's like, it's all right. You just got to keep pushing forward with it. Well, let's talk a little bit about sort of the modern day brokerages yeah. because I, I have buddies that had just entered in, especially last year, they probably lost their job. They wanted a career change and they start to enter trucking and they reach out to me and they they ask questions like, what do I do to get started? Yeah. And I'm like, I've never brokered freight. So yeah. I, I don't know exactly what to tell you, but from his experience that this one guy in particular, he said that he was just sat down at a desk and given a bunch of cold leads and just told to hammer the phones. Is that what I guess a lot of companies are still doing today? And if you're in that position, how would you attack that? In my experience, it's exactly how it is. It's a num but you know, at the end of the day though, they do that because sales is a numbers game. Mm -hmm. The more people you're in front of, the more people who you're talking to, the higher the likelihood that you're gonna close a couple of them. But me personally, I think cold calling is not dead there's other ways that you can go and reach 10 times as many prospects. And that obviously I'm all in on content and social media and everything else. But I think if you're in that position right now, you need to carve out a niche at the end of the day, because there's everybody's intoxicated by this industry because it's a 800 billion or a trillion dollar industry, whatever number it keeps getting inflated to day in and day out. 
So people think that like there's so much opportunity. There's true. There's an opportunity everywhere. But how do you separate yourself? So for me, it's all about a niche. You have a niche market. And by market, I mean like choose a couple of cities to operate back and forth in between there and a niche freight type. Find one or two different types of freight and become a product expert, a subject matter expert. It's a different conversation because every food shipper, every heavy haul care, uh, shipper that's out there, they all have the exact same problem. So why are we trying to overcomplicate things? And then especially when you're starting out, it's all about repetition. It's all about gaining that confidence the in there. So you might as well have the same conversation time and time again to get through that. And then the beauty about freight is a lot of us brokers out there who do full truckload, there's like four different styles of freight that you can go after. Guess what? You plug and play every single term <laughs> in there and then you can roll it out and you're, it's like, then you can sell different modes as you, as you progress. Say you're working for a company and they're a little bit of part of the old school. They don't want you out there creating content and being a, a brand for yeah, their brand that for it, sure. it could potentially harm that business. How would you suggest tackling that from a personal perspective? Because it could be a situation where you just go to another company. Is that is that probably the route? That's the route I personally would take is just go to another company that believes in content. That's the route I would take as well. But you know, I can't tell somebody what to do with their life right. at the end of the day. I just think if you're with a company that's not forward thinking, because I think if they're they're trying to constrain you at that point, in my opinion, if they're not allowing you to do stuff, they're holding stuff back, they're holding you back. You gotta look for another option, in my honest opinion. Um, I just think that you're, you can't get held back in that, in my opinion. When it comes to your training and consulting services yeah. that you offer, when you're talking to these companies, what are sort of the common problems or the common pitfalls that they're experiencing, which is the reason why they reached out to you? Yeah, a, a lot of it is, it's a lot of processes. Mm -hmm. it, you know, I'm, I'm fortunately, well, my fiance doesn't think this way, but I'm very ABC one, two, three, I'm very structured. And that's the thing is there's a lot of people who are, they're running gun, you know, like back to that lead list here, here's a hundred cuts, just call them, just call them. They have freight, just call them. Like adding revenue isn't a business plan. You know, like that's what a lot of people think like, oh, I want to grow, I got to hire more sales reps. No, you don't. You got to clean up your internal processes first because a lot of people that I talk to, they're like, oh, I want to go from 10 to 20 million or they want to go 40 to $70 million brokerage. But they think that just adding headcount is going to be the solution. And that's not the case because in working with a lot of companies, that first 10 to 15 million that they want is lost in inefficiencies inside of their organization right now. They need a process because how many, how many people out there that are watching this right now are missing out on quotes, are missing out on opportunities because they're bogged down trying to do 17 things at once. You know, but like that's the, like, I'm such a massive proponent of technology. There are some great companies out there that are integrated that, you know, and for in the late term, they have systems that speak to each other that do this work for you, this manual processes that a lot of people are, are stuck in. And I think that's where a lot of freight brokers end up dying out is because it's, there's no opportunity for them to grow because they're constantly playing catch up every single day. They're never getting ahead. They're covering same day freight every single day because as soon as they get everything covered up for today, they're done. They want to go home. They don't want to, <clears throat> excuse me, they don't want to work on tomorrow's stuff. So. And so with a lot of those, those tools that you're talking about with getting your processes right and then figuring out likely where those tools fit in, where do you think some of these, these software tools, because there's so much software yeah. that's coming into the space. What do you think is the, the, the best bang for your buck if you're just a small brokerage that, that's just getting, that you want to get your feet wet in the, in the technology sector outside of just your TMS? I think the best thing is going to be, well, I, I'm glad you brought up TMS because I think that's the absolute lifeblood of your organization. You need to be paired up with a TMS that is forward thinking, that is integrated with other platforms. So load boards are obviously a massive thing. Having a TMS partner that has clicked to post is extremely vital. Again, it's those seconds that add up, those lost seconds add up to lost minutes of, and then hours of productivity throughout the time. So for me, it's that click to post option is massive for it. Because then another, like a lot of these uh, TMSs that are out there, you can set carriers up and some of these external uh, systems like Trucker Tools, for example, they give you the opportunity to set carriers who can accept these loads and in the book it now feature. So like you can automatically email these carriers and if they agree to the rate and everything else, they're going to book it. That frees up your carrier rep, you know, and then or if you're in a cradle to grave setting, that frees you up to sell more at the end of the day.
you know, because you're not lost trying to find these things. And then you build a process for your sales reps to utilize so they can stay more focused on their book of business and growing things out. And they're not going to lose these opportunities because they're trying to post on four different load boards and everything else. And then by the time they're done, the load's been covered, you know? So it's like, like it, you, you have less than five minutes to reply to an email from a customer about an available shipment that you're going to work on it to have an opportunity to work on it. And if you're out there wasting this time posting loads up to multiple different platforms, you're out. Like you're done. That, that load went to your competition. Who invested in technology? Who's forward thinking? And they're going to take your customers. Perfectly said. And, and I think that that about does it for this part one of Cy Really Hits the Road. We're going to go into a part two yes. in the next show. So, Chris, where if people only watch this part one, which you should definitely watch part two, where should they follow more of your work? LinkedIn. Uh, I'm actually involved on there. Post every single day of every single working day of the week, a couple times on weekend. Also, my podcast, Coffee with a Freight Coach, it's on iTunes and Spotify. Hit that up. Got over 100 episodes on there. Got 200 plus videos on my YouTube channel and everything else for people to utilize for freight brokerage and all things transportation. Awesome. Appreciate your time, Chris. Thank you. Of course. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Chris Jolly, the freight coach. I will have all of his things linked in the comments and in the show description. So if you're not already following his work, then you absolutely should be, especially his podcast. He drops a few episodes every single week with industry titans all over the country. So just make sure that you're you're subscribed and following his work because it, he's already a star, but his, his he's just going to keep climbing. Uh, next up, though, we have Burns Logistics, who was one of my favorite conversations that we had at the Ignite conference. And it's a father-son team. A lot of businesses in freight are run within the family. And so it's an interesting dynamic to hear from someone who comes from the service industry in Big Ed, who is the head honcho right now with the company, bringing in his son in order to work side by side with them, the dynamics of that relationship and how they have found success with working together. But also an important note is how Big Ed comes from the service industry and how a lot of what he learned working for Marriott, working for other service-based industries, how much of that applies to freight. And I think it's just this continuing thing because I, I come from the world of the service industry as well. And to know of how much that skill set learned while waiting tables and bartending and how much that skill set has transferred over to freight and to marketing and to sales. It's really, there's, there's a lot of similarities between a lot of these industries when you're coming from the service industry. A lot of that skill set transfers over very, very easily. So it's a very fascinating conversation, and I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I did. We're here at Ignite, hosted by PCS Software. Um, the, and my name is Blythe Brumley with Cyberly, in case you folks are, are, are not aware. Um, joined by Big Ed and Ed, not little Ed. We're not going to call you that. And that's yeah. the last time I'm going to call you that. Uh, but let's go ahead and start off with sort of the elephant in the room. And that's the fact that you two are both father and son and you run a successful business with Burns Logistics. Tell me a little bit about how the, for, for folks who don't know, tell me about the business, how it got started, how it evolved into what it is today. Okay. Um, in 2008, I lost my job. So in 2008, you know, uh, the financial bubbles, the real estate bubbles. We had $5 fuel, trucking companies are going out of business. It was bad. Hmm. So um, I, I lost my job. <clears throat> and um, and the kids, obviously, my kids were a lot younger. And I talked to my wife. And I've always, throughout my career, my sales career has always been very relationship-oriented and always you know, helping my customers find trucking solutions. So it... it, it I, I decided instead of getting another job, I'll start a business. So the business was born as Burns Logistics. And, um, and, and, and the carriers, and the, so we're an agency. So we're not a 3PL, we're not a broker, we're a sales agency that the truckers pay us, the carriers pay us. So we're into long-term relationships. We are, we're not trying to move a load today. We want folks to find capacity, asset capacity, for a long period of time, you know, six months, a year, two years, three years, long, long relationships. So that's essentially um, what, what our business is. And, and I started in 2008. Ed joined um, in October 
of last year. He was self-employed as a marketing guy, and he was a he was a vendor. And so then Eddie's you know was doing some soul searching. Goes, hey dad, what about me joining the business? I'm like, I consulted Mrs. Burns because Mrs. Burns is vice president. <laughs> so oh nice, it, a whole yeah. family business then. It, it, it is, it, it is, and um, and she thought it was a, a good idea. So so I monopolized that. Go ahead. <laughs> So how did you end up joining the the, the company? Did, it, was it a, a sort of catalyst that you said that I, you know, I, I finally want to join? I'm sure it was always maybe in the back of your head of that maybe it would be cool to work with your dad one day. But what was the catalyst that, that said, okay, I want to make this move now? Yeah, it had been a pretty weird year. And uh, I had a marketing agency for a while. And I had made a deal to sell it. And I didn't know what I was going to do after that. Um, so I was trying to figure it out. Should I go work for somebody? What should I do? And I was talking to somebody and he said, why don't you, why don't you work with your dad? I was like, I don't know, man. I just don't work with my dad. And, uh, he said, well, you should. I was like, well, I'll ask him. So I, so I called, I said, big Ed, what do you think about us maybe working together? And, uh, he said, well, let's have a cigar and talk about it. So we sat down and we, we talked it out a little bit and, uh, I guess he thought it was a good idea, but we've always, I've always been included. He's always, since I was a little kid, he's brought me on sales calls. I was always around the transportation industry. Uh, we would go to hockey games, play golf, whatever it was. And then as I got older, he started taking me to conferences. So I'd go do my thing. He did his thing and we'd meet up at the end of the night and go out and meet with people. So, um, it was kind of a smooth transition. Oh, that's, so you already had sort of that working relationship. We, we, we did it. We did. And then when we go to a conference, people who I never met and people I did business with or wanted to do business with would come to me and say, oh, I met your son. <laughs> he's really great. And he's this and he's that. And, you know, it just people spoke very highly of him. So it, all, it evolved and naturally and it, it wasn't something that maybe I, I, I think with a lot of and I think this is one of your, your talks that you're going to be focused on is, is how to manage that family dynamic because so many logistics companies and trucking companies in particular, they're, they're family run business. And, and sometimes that doesn't quite mix. But it sounds like that you two had that really great working relationship prior to this you know, you know evolving into an official capacity. Is that accurate? I, I think. You're hitting it. It just it, we just took our natural relationship, how we get along, and the dynamics of it. I mean, we don't see eye to eye on stuff all the, you know. That's because you're taller. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we do a pretty good job of listening, and we complement each other, mm. and and how we complement each other, and I see it already, is just go going to lead to further success, which we're very excited about. And so how does, I guess, the, that position evolve? So you, you walk me through what, what it looks like. You're, you're, it's the October of 2020. It's kind of a, a lot of uncertainty that's going on, but you two decide you know, to sort of join forces. What does the company look like? How many, is it a lot of employees that you're coming into a situation with that, that you, can, you have to evolve that relationship with? Because sometimes it can kind of be seen like, oh, the owner's son is coming in and he's, you know, he, it's just a, a position that's handed to him. Did you almost feel like you had to earn your stripes or, or you had to prove yourself a little bit more than the next regular hire? Uh, I think we're a little too small for that. Mm -hmm. You know, people-wise, there's a lot of growth potential per person that's with, good. with what we do. Um, so it was really, I think it evolved well because it wouldn't have worked at all had I come in after college. And I think... It would have been a very different situation, but I think it worked because we were able to foster more of a relationship over the last eight years, 10 years, and get to know each other mm -hmm. better. And we've just developed more friendship, golf buddies, hanging out, go grab beers. And then the work relationship kind of flowed out of that. And I think it doesn't work in a lot of family businesses that I've seen because it's work first instead of relationship first. Mm -hmm. And how can you relate as a father and son if it's all business? It's then it's employer, employee, or boss, worker, and that's a different dynamic. And I don't think we we don't have that mm -hmm. as much, especially if it's a, a you know a, a smaller employee base, because then everybody feels like they're kind of wearing a few hats instead of you know this is your role and this is the only role you're going to do at some of maybe a, a larger brokerage, for example. 
right. um, that that's the world I, I come from. And when I saw, you know, sort of family members getting hired, that was the assumption was mm-hmm. like, oh, they just need, you know, a job, you know, so it's, no, so it's just no, coming out of college. And- no, no way. I mean, this, this, this is a, a good move. Selfishly, this is a great move for my wife and I. So, um, we'll find out. <laughs> 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 so I'm, I'm sure there's um so so how does sort of that relationship evolve like as you tell me about i guess a did, did you have to sort of set any kind of prerequisites or are you guys just really like super focused on this is we leave work at work and then you know it's father and son relationship whenever we walk out of those doors is it more like that or does it kind of just blend naturally with your lives yeah, definitely. But what really struck me is when I was first about to start, we go out golfing one day, maybe a week before or so, and he put his arm around me. And he goes, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna listen to what you have to say and really take it seriously," and and he has, and uh, I think that that's kind of been the ethos, uh, I guess, of yeah. how your relationship has evolved. Because it sounds yeah. like it's it's more of a partnership versus like a boss and an employee, which I think a lot of companies have had to adjust their, their working relationships over the last year. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's a smart guy. And there's, I mean, I have some tribal knowledge in the sense that, look, I've, he's very, very complimentary. He's like, oh, dad does really smart. And that's this. I'm like, I've just been doing this a long time. I don't know how smart it is. Just <laughs> when you do something a long time and you have success at it and it, it, it goes well. So, but Ed will almost interview me our meetings are almost like interviews and we have a discussion and we come, come up with ideas and solutions. I mean, talk about a big elephant in the room. I mean, capacity constraints are really challenging right now. It's challenging for us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we just revisit, you know, you know, who, you know, who's our potential carrier clients, who you talked to in the past, who, Where's their fit? Because there's capacity out there. Just kind of have to, you have to be a little more laser focused about it. And, and, and we need to make sure we're working with carriers that want to work with us. And we're not for everybody, but we have a great niche. And, and Ed does a good job of like pulling this stuff out of me and, and, and coming up with better ways to attack the marketplace. And I think that that's where the the marketing experience comes into play because it, it, is it fair to say that you guys have have you you mentioned you're more niche focused now what 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 niche are you specifically focused on that that you feel like you you can grow in, in the future? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, I think there's like Big Ed said, there's a lot of opportunity in the marketplace. So we represent a variety of different carriers who all do different things. So. The niche, they're really niches. Hmm. So there's a, a bunch of different carriers who do a bunch of different things, but they all do what they do, right? So we have some specialty flatbed capacity sometimes, right? They're a really good carrier to work with because they're open to opportunities. And so it's easy to send them stuff. And, and so focusing on on those relationships, then then you're almost like prioritizing more relationships just like those. Like how you almost have like those those good, yes. better, and best customer profiles. Uh, exactly. Right. The carriers that are very forthcoming and say, we have trucks, and I'm not talking about a truck, like we have trucks in this market and we want to put them and they are very, and this would make our business better. Hmm. What makes your business better? Hey, Mr. Carrier, Mrs. Carrier, what makes your business better? That's we don't want to give them more of what they don't need. Right. What do you need to make your business better? And, make their and those are the easier. niches. That, those are the niches that we try and identify the niches mm-hmm. for these carriers. And then, you know, I'm not reinventing the wheel. Yeah. It's we relationships too. It, right. Yeah. We don't need to have an argument or fight with the carrier to take a load, you know, take a lane that they don't want. It's, it's okay if it's not a fit. So I think where we're seeing success is that there are carriers who want to grow right now. And or for however they're doing it, one way or another, they're picking up drivers and they're growing their fleets, and it's it's just easy to to bring them opportunities and, and find freight for them. So that's we're just focusing more on that. With your marketing background and being sort of that that fresh pair of eyes in into the business, what were some of those early opportunities that that you said we we got to go after these, especially from a, a marketing perspective, because marketing is so weak. 
in this industry. <laughs> There's so much improvements that, that or so many improvements that, that could be made. Where, where did you recognize those, those early success points? This could be a secret sauce moment. So just <laughs> yeah. be careful. Does, that... Yeah, I would say we're still working on it a little bit. Um, but some, I think, just simple things like using LinkedIn more effectively and how to use Sales Navigator to really get a picture of what these carriers are looking mm -hmm. like and trying to share some of that with the carriers. Like it's, it's okay to put a profile picture up so that people can see what you right. look like. Because uh, we're going to make an introduction here and they need to see what your face looks like. You know, there's... There's little things like that. Um, I think just simply using websites for search engine optimization, right? right? Basic things that a lot of companies and a lot of uh, it just logistics and transportation companies that they just don't use because they just don't know. So I think, right. you know, you coming in, maybe it was that extra pair of eyes that said, oh, these are these are quick win, you know, low hanging fruit opportunities that we can take advantage of now. Yep. Um, you mentioned, you know, SEO and, and just, you know, relationship building. What other, uh, what other marketing priorities do, do you have? You're, you're actually giving a talk on, on LinkedIn as well, too. Yeah, I love LinkedIn. I think it's the coolest platform. <laughs> Which wouldn't have media. been said, you know, two, three years ago. Mm -hmm. yeah. But it's made such a transformation over the, I, I think, since COVID, really. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a great. I, I think people need to take their personal branding a little more seriously, which I it seems like you very much understand that. Like everybody has a brand, so mm -hmm. own it and rock it. Right. Yeah. So I think that's like a little marketing thing. Like I think um, in talking to carriers, I think sometimes they're afraid of their employees' brands. Mm. Um, there's like a fear there. What if they leave? What if they just the stronger that your employees' personal brands are the stronger your company brand's going to be. So, exactly, use it to your advantage. Absolutely. And so, what are some of those? Those have you have you Big Ed started getting more involved with LinkedIn now be, because of the growth of the platform, especially in this industry? I have to, or it gives me a beating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so walk me through uh, some of the the ways that you guys approach LinkedIn. Um, are, are you yeah. posting every day? Are you post what what kind of stuff? do you really like to post that your audience seems to, to resonate with? Yeah. I mean, the, the thing about LinkedIn, unfortunately, is that when we post business stuff, it doesn't really go anywhere, mm. you know, and, and people, you know, you hear complaints, well, we, I don't want to see personal stuff. I want to see business stuff. Unfortunately, the, the stuff that's done very well for us or performed well or gotten us attention or phone calls are us hanging out together. Mm. There was a picture. He had me out like cutting weeds, from the back of the train station which, where our office is. And uh, he posted that picture on LinkedIn. It's just like, people loved it. Yeah, we got all kinds of views, all kinds of comments. And when we're talking about the driver shortage on there, no, you know, nobody seems to care. Yeah, right. yeah. Uh, we don't post every day. Um, I don't think we could handle it because this stuff works, right? Right. So, um, so we try to post at least, once a week. At least, yeah. Once a week or so. And you're really focused on on more of from the personal pages versus the the company page, which has way more organic reach. Um, yeah, I mean, we we traveled. Actually, we were in uh, Missouri a couple weeks ago, and uh, his brother, my other boy, is getting he's getting married. So we went out for a, a bachelor party, which we can't talk about. We yet. can't talk about. It. I know you yeah. got to get up a little closer to the mic to talk about that. No, <laughs> It was fine. It's G people. It was G. <laughs> but while we were out there, there's a carrier, you know, that I, that we have a relationship with, I have an agreement with, and we have yet to do any business. And, uh, you know, classic, hey, we're full, we're busy, we're this, we're that. But we went and talked to him. Uh, it was a 90-minute meeting. A 90-minute meeting with a carrier that's full. Hmm. Which, And I was like, this is great. And they were like, we could really use a little more of this. And we have this many trucks here. And we want to really go here. And that gives us something to look for. That gives us something to talk about with, with shippers or 3PLs or people managing a mm. book of business. Now, it, it has to be very niche. It has to be very focused. But that's what we'll look at. But here is, you know, here is a situation where a carrier could support a significant amount of business on a daily basis. But we just have to try and strike you know get lightning in a bottle here i mean you gotta 
You just got to identify it and find how it fits. And then it could be a great relationship, a long-term relationship. Blythe, once, once we get a carrier like with a shipper or shippers and, they, and this thing plugs in, it, it, it goes. And the volatility, which I'm going to speak about a little bit tomorrow, about uh, the market swinging, tends to get, no, I'm not going to say negated, but it calms down. Because if, if, if there's a shipper and a carrier and they're working together and it's where the carrier wants to go, they're handling the freight, they're getting paid on time and all these basic things, there is no, you know, the carrier doesn't want to start changing their network. That's a pain in the neck. Right. They get drivers going to these, you know, it's all a driver focused. They want less problems. They want less problems. problems. And, and, right. and it's like a big cruise ship, a big ocean liner. Once you set that course, don't make them change. Because that's really painful. And, and they, I think that that speaks more to, to your, you mentioned your talk that you're giving tomorrow. I, I believe it's called Don't Be a Swinger. Don't Be a Swinger. Don't Be a Swinger, which I guess is, you know, advice for in more ways than one. Yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> like going to, you mentioned earlier before we started recording that, that you come from the, uh, the Marriott background, the yes. service industry, and mm -hmm. how that's really helped you evolve into the position that you have now. What are some of those key aspects of relationship building that you learned at, during your time at Marriott that you now apply to relationships with your carriers and shippers? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think about Marriott as, as a young person because, again, like we discussed, one, Marriott's are, are very expensive. I mean, they were expensive 30 years ago. But what I found interesting is you have a lot of repeat business. You would have the same companies that would come back to spend all kinds of money for a banquet, whether it's a business banquet, and then those same people are coming back to marry their, their kids. They have their wedding receptions there. And you start seeing the same people over and over and over again. And then, quite frankly, when, when I was at the Marriott, tips weren't part of the program because it was built in the service charge. But then people would spend a lot of money and then they still give you $100. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And all you had to do, I mean, all you had to do was challenging, anticipate somebody's needs. If somebody had a question, be very responsive in a very timely manner. Service, it's a service business. You serve your folks, you serve your clients and your customers, and they just keep coming back. They don't go, oh gee, you're too expensive. You give them value, something that they can count on, and then you exceed those expectations. And I've tried to do that as a salesperson. And, you know, I try um, with the carriers that I work with, try and make sure that these fits, you know, because again, it's got to be a fit. You know, if, I, if a carrier tells me they can handle support a, a given piece of business and we make that pitch and we get you the rate for that capacity, by goodness, you better deliver on that. So, but that's a two, that's a two way, it's a two way deal. So, I mean, that shipper needs to commit, you know, make sure they're giving the carrier the loads they committed to, and that carrier's got to make sure they get the capacity. And if they agree on the rate, they agree on the service, they're going to keep on coming back. And so it just works in so many, I, that, that's why I love the service industry examples, because it just works so, in so many different uh, industries where it's all just people. Just it, people it, it really does. And it's just so basic when, when, when you go out to, it could be anything. It really could be anything, whether it's Marriott or, or a diner. You know the difference. You know the difference for somebody who gets you your coffee and you're not waiting two minutes there before you even sit down. I mean, there's, that's, like, that's kind of a big deal. And Marriott always did that. Matter of fact, I just went, I, I was in upstate New York this week. A, uh, a friend of my wife's passed away. And uh, the sister, she and I worked at Marriott Days. Marriott together and she goes oh remember we went to the beverage seminar now the beverage seminar was a, a seminar on, on, on booze on <laughs> wines cordials but Marriott's the the thing is if you sat down at a Marriott restaurant you were supposed to be served a drink whether it doesn't matter within two minutes and, wow. and drinks were never to be empty no empty glasses I mean, that's service. That level so, of service. That, so that's what people are, are coming back. And that's what you're hoping maybe to, to create within your own business, those repeat customers that it, it, it's niche focused, but it's also built on and built off the back of relationships. Yes. And it I, sounds like that that's a, a main core of your business, not just 
you know, with your family, but building these relationships out on the golf course from the service industry to now what you're doing today with, with your shippers and, and carriers, it, it sounds like you guys, you know, have learned a thing or two about relationships. Where do you think that people get, get it wrong with building relationships? Edward? <laughs> uh, well, what's interesting about the way Big Ed does it is, especially as shipper contacts, they will he'll land into a, a big shipper, right? And that decision maker might stay there for two or three years and we'll get a couple carriers in there. And then that person will leave and go somewhere else. And then we're able to go get a couple carriers in there too. And then they leave and go somewhere else. And so there's like a definitive loyalty there mm -hmm. that, and then it grows because then the person who replaces them becomes a friend too. It's like a snowball effect. Yeah. Which are my favorite kinds, yeah. <laughs> especially yeah. in, in the marketing and sales and relationship world, which is really what, what it's all built on. Yeah. So, okay. So last question, what are two to three things that you're thinking about today that you weren't thinking about 12 months ago? Because obviously COVID has changed a lot of the way that we do business and the way that we conduct communications. Has anything changed you know, from that time point to what you're, you're working on today? Um, verticals, hmm. a, a, you know, attacking might not be a good word, but um, pursuing better paying verticals. So um, that is how I would answer that. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. And what about for you? Um, I think that people right now are really hungry for human connection in a way that I don't know if we've ever seen. I know I haven't, I don't know if we have as people in a very, very long time. Um, so I think the better that we're able to foster and facilitate that and really make connections with people, it's going to, it's going to be great. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more because I, I come from the state of Florida. So, you know, yeah. we, we're a little bit of a wild bunch and we've been open for Oh, gosh, for the better part of the last year, but still, you know, as and it as, seems to be working. <laughs> it, it yeah. is, I mean, we're, we're, you know, it, you, you take things for granted when you travel out. I mean, we're in Texas right now, so it's not that much different over in yeah. Texas. Um, but you do take things for granted whenever you, when I think when everything shut down and then as you know, things started opening back up. Um, in the state of Florida, it was uh, it was a breath of fresh air. You know, mm -hmm. there's never been a time in the state of Florida where our beaches have been closed. You know, outside of a hurricane incoming, which right. technically you can still go on the beach, but it's one of those things where it's now all of these things are opening back up and people are starting to get back out in the wild and you know, judging the the comfort levels of of certain people. Um, but I think with you know conferences like this, like making that first big step. Yes. Um, being one of the first big ones, I think is important. And I, I think it's important for, for folks to show up to them and, and, and to talk about the, the value of the in-person interaction, which I'm sure you, you guys can speak to. Well, absolutely. So we, so we're like, we were asked to come and participate. We were like, hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was my first reaction too. It was like, yeah. okay, what do I do? You yes. want me to yeah. do all the things? I'll do yeah. all the things. Yeah. yeah. And we'll you guys are giving and we'll three. We'll be there early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you guys are giving three talks during this week, so it's yeah. a, I I'm I'm I share the same sentiment that that it's good to be back. It's 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 good to to be back amongst you know the networking and, and industry folks. So. Oh so my gosh, yeah. yeah, we have to be. Right. Yeah. We have to be. Yeah. There's an inherent human need for for human connection, and I think people are just dying for it right now. Absolutely. It, it, I did co-sign all of those things. All right. Well, well, where can folks follow more of your work? Where, where can they hear, you know, maybe some, some replays of past talks or even this talk in the future? Um, probably your social media accounts, LinkedIn is probably the best solution. I think LinkedIn's LinkedIn. great. Yep. 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 Where can they, what, what's your, what's your handle on LinkedIn? Mine is relationship dash guy. Nice. He's really, yeah. And yours is big Ed Burns. <laughs> great. That's it. Okay. <laughs> He's the marketing guy. <laughs> well, appreciate you, you guys joining the show today. Um, we look forward to, to watching more of, of your LinkedIn growth and then also meeting in person at, at conferences like this. So, so thank you guys so much for sharing. Thanks for having us. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, guys.
Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Burns Logistics, both with Big Ed and his son, also named Ed. It's just a a great conversation between a father and son duo who are on the verge, who have already done great things and on the verge of doing even better things. It's always interesting to see the the veteran leadership and the the, the new perspective come into play and, and how those dynamics can really feed off of each other in order to help the business grow all together. And then, of course, we had Chris Jolly in the in the first part of the episode, which I'm going to link to the second part of that interview, which you can hear, and I'll link to that in the comments. But I just wanted to take the, a special time out to thank everyone that has been watching these shows over not just the last month, but really since the show's inception back in February. We are back to our regularly scheduled show formats next week. So it'll be the typical format where we have one to two guests on every single week. We'll be talking about the latest B2B marketing news, tech, um, all of those things. And even some of my favorite TikTok videos are going to be brought back into the mix for the typical show format that uh, hopefully you've come to know and love. I know that I I love it and I miss it. Um, I've had a blast going to these events and filming Uh, these different interviews in person with people where the conversation just flows so naturally. This isn't going to be the last on the road episode that you ever hear from me, but then maybe they just won't be so condensed into one month because I don't know that uh, my sleeping arrangements uh, will, will, will be like that in the future because I would really love to stay home longer than a few days in the month of August. So I think the travel schedule is going to get a little bit lighter here as we enter into the fall and winter seasons, but there's going to be more events in the future. F3 in November is one of the top ones I'm going to be attending. Of course, hosted by Freight Waves, three-day freight festival. I hope that you've gone ahead and started registering and prepping for that trip because it's going to be incredible. And then in January, we're going to be going to Vegas for Manifest. It's a logistics tech conference. So that those are the next two events on the horizon for me. But in the future, in the coming weeks, you'll be expecting the regularly scheduled programming. So Maybe you're new to the show. Maybe you've just discovered it during these On the Road series. So I hope that you will tune in to future Cyberly episodes and catch more of my work. You can follow all of the show content. Just look up Cyberly in your favorite podcast player. You'll be able to find it there and subscribe. And then if you want to see some of my favorite clips from the show, just be sure to check out digitaldispatch.io. All my social media is there. My favorite clips from the shows are there. And you can also find the podcast and all of your favorite podcast platform of choice. That's an alliteration for you. But I think that about does it for me today. Hope to see you all right here next week, Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And thank you for the support. And I will see you all real soon. 